Hello, I'm Kay Cornish, editor of My VIP, the customer magazine for Pets at Home, and I'd like to welcome you to the Pets at Home Kitten podcast. The idea with this series of podcast episodes is to take you through everything you need to know from planning for a kitten all the way through to their first adult years, really, where we're going to cover everything from what you should do to kitten-proof your home, what to feed them, how to play with them, how to understand them. And to do this, I will be joined by many expert guests. And with their advice and support, we are hoping to help you and your new pet have a wonderful time together. So hope you enjoy them. Let's crack on. Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Pets at Home Kitten podcast. And again, as my guests, I have... Carleen Hareman, who is Head of Pets at Pets at Home, as well as being a qualified vet. Hi. And we've also, from Pets at Home, got Claire Gavin, who's a Director of Creative Development and Innovation at Pets at Home. Hello, Claire. Hi there, Kate. Hello. And also joining this episode, we have James Headley, who is a member of the VIP Kitten Club, Pets at Home VIP Kitten Club. The club is there to support you and your kitten with expert advice and exclusive offers throughout their first year. So join up. You can go online or, as I say, you can download the app and join there too. Uh, Anyway, hello, James. Hello. And um, you are the proud owner of Little Penny, who is... She's coming up to nine months now. Uh, and also, uh, as a special guest who hopefully will be joining us as well, is Carleen's cat, Wolfie, who is not a kitten. How old's Wolfie? Wolfie's 10 years old, so hasn't been a kitten for a while, but he still acts like one. So. Yeah, they never grow out of it. So, Carleen, to kick off this episode, we are going to be talking about your kitten's first day at home and how to make sure that your house is um, properly secure and proofed for your kitten. So arriving in a new home can be a big and bewildering experience for such a teeny tiny little kitten. Um, So we're going to explore how to make them feel as safe and calm as possible. We'll be dragging James in as and when we can for some penny anecdotes of um, his experience of um, the things that we're talking about. And um, we'll be discussing also hot spots inside the home, treats, other pets, bowls, collars, beds, toys, scratch posts, litter trays, um, as well as some advice on keeping your kitten calm and happy, like I said at the top. So, Carleen, can you take us through some of the more important do's and don'ts of when you first bring a little kitten home? Yeah, so hopefully um, you will have known for a while you're ha- you're bringing a kitten home and it's not a spur of the moment thing. So um, really you need to make sure you've already got quite a few things in place before you bring your kitten home. Um, And we often talk about those things as being resources. So that would include litter tray, food and water bowls, a scratch post, toys, a bed and also a hide. I mean, a bed can be both a hide and a bed, but generally having several is is, um, recommended, especially as your, your kitten grows up. Initially, it is recommended to confine your kitten to not, you know, don't give them access to your entire house. Keep them ideally to a room if you've got a room to dedicate to them um, where you can keep them the first few weeks so they can gradually adjust to their new surroundings, especially the first 24 hours. Does that not upset them in any way? I mean, I mean, they're not obviously going to be solitary on their own in that in that room you are going to be going in and interacting with them and making sure they're okay and I'm assuming that you know they'll be asleep for a lot of it anyway 
Yeah, no, I think, you know, a brand new home is really daunting for a tiny kitten. So not only have they come away from their familiar environment, but also their mum and siblings, um, usually. So actually, um, having that calm period of adjustment <clears throat> is really important. And especially if you've got a family and probably excited children, um, it's a good idea to just prepare them that not to overwhelm this little bundle of fluff um, and just give them a little bit of time to adjust. New pets as well would definitely not introduce them straight away. So you really want to let your kitten sort of come out of their shell in their own time because they're all different as well. You might have a kitten that's really confident and straight away, you know, they want to explore. But equally, you might have one that, you know, is hiding away in a corner, which you know, indicates that they're scared. And often then we try and coax them out and entice them and almost make it worse. You just need to give them some time and 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 just um, let them let them get used to it. Make sure that everything's present in this room. Obviously, litter tray, food bowl, um, beds, not all too close together because we don't want the toilet next to the food, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and make sure, I think that's really important, somewhere to hide. So hiding away is not a bad thing. Don't try and stop them from hiding if they want to hide just let them hide james what was your experience of penny hiding did she have a, a spout of hiding she did indeed she did indeed so um i think uh, from day one we we followed that actual uh, rule actually of actually using a room putting all of her everything that she needs all of her necessities in one room and we did that for several days actually just to ensure that she had the confidence before she actually wanted to venture out and it was quite easy to see in terms of her body language then when we thought she was actually ready she was inquisitive she saw the door she realized you know once that opened she she could get out so um it was kind of a natural progression but in terms of hiding yes it was naturally the safer to be honest with you there's about a four inch five inch gap behind and if we couldn't find her she she'd managed to get herself down there she did that for the first couple of days um, and to be honest, after, after that, it didn't didn't really um, ever become apparent again. She didn't really hide from us. Yeah, that's interesting. So she didn't. I mean, we all know that the cat, that a cat's favourite thing, is a cardboard box. She didn't try and sort of like hide in uh, anything in particular. She just sort of try and squeeze herself under the sofa. Well, to start with, it was the sofa. Um, and then, yes, we did introduce cardboard boxes because we found out once we had a few deliveries that she was a big fan of boxes. I wouldn't say she's necessarily hiding, but she likes, I think it was more of a security thing. So she used to jump in it and kind of pop her head out and see what's going on. So we did set up a few around the house, actually. And even to this day, there's a couple that she still goes in. that She's a big fan of. Why do they love boxes so much, Colleen? Is it literally just a hidey hole thing? Is it something they're doing? It is, it is a hiding thing, but also they're quite warm um, rather than sitting on, you know, another surface. It's thought that it, it, it helps them keep warm. So that's why they quite like to go in it. One thing to point out as well is even if you know that your kitten's going to be going outside, which, you know, most cats will be, um, you still need a litter tray and a scratch post. I think there are often two things that people either get rid of after the sort of kitten stage or think they might not need, but then complain about their cat having accidents in the house or ripping up the sofa or carpets um, because maybe they don't have scratch posts at all or they don't have one that the cat actually likes. So, you know, use the kitten stage to get to know what your cat likes, what kind of litter, what kind of scratch post, um, so that you 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 can direct that behaviour to the, the right stuff and, and not and not your walls and, and your sofa. 
<laughs> the more you can keep things the same as well as what they had at the breeder, the better. So anything from if you can take a blanket home that, you know, mum and, and the kittens have been using, you know, hopefully you've been to visit your kitten prior to taking it home anyway. So maybe you can leave a blanket already or, or a piece of clothing or whatever to get the smell of, of their their mother and litter and then you can take it home. But also things like um, the type of cat litter, find out what type of cat litter they're used to because they'll just make transitioning to a new home a lot easier. And, and I mean, kittens are pretty good at toilet training anyway, but if you are going to have some issues, generally it's because they're, they just don't recognize the litter tray because it's too different, whether that's the design or the type of cat litter or or something like that. So try and keep it the same as much as possible. James, has Penny got a scratch post? Is she uh, into it? She is. So we, we had one from day one. She had one down in the lounge, which was very useful. And to be fair, she was very good. She went straight to it and started using it. So we found no problems downstairs. However, we didn't have one upstairs. And we found that when we were obviously going to, to bed or in going to sleep, we'd hear a bit of scratching, mainly on the bed or the carpet. And it was because there wasn't a scratching post nearby. So we quickly rectified that, got a scratching post, and now she's good as gold. And that's really interesting that they actually do prefer a scratching post as opposed to anything else. Because you would have thought if they started scratching something from a young age, like your sofa or a chair leg or whatever, then they automatically move to a scratching post. That's quite unusual, isn't it? Or why is it, it? It can be. It can be difficult. So not all cats will will be that well behaved. Okay. <laughs> Penny has been so, um, and then it can get quite frustrating for owners. But it's key to find um, the right scratching post. So often scratching posts are too short. So cats like to stretch out completely oh, yeah. and drag their nails down. Yeah. Um, so it, you might need to get a taller one or. Um, or it's one that's too flimsy and when they're trying to scratch it moves too much and it falls over so you, you want to look at sturdiness as well there are actually some products that you can apply it's almost like a spot on that sort of attract your cat to use something as a scratch post so um wh whenever i get a new scratch post i always put it on so so it entices wolfie to um to scratch it Okay, so at this point of the episode, I'd like to introduce Claire Gavin, who is the Director of Innovations and Creative Development at Pets at Home. Hello, Claire. Hi, Kate. Hi. And uh, you're going to be talking us through the essential kit that you are going to need to have to hand when you bring your adorable little bundle of fluff home for the first time. So, uh, yeah, Claire, what do you want to kick off with? So let's talk about uh, litter trays and litter because that is that is an important one. You need to uh, make sure that you've got a litter tray, uh, that you could have a hooded tray, um, a hooded loo they're called. You could have one, I'd recommend, with at least a lid around the edges because, you know, when your cat kicks up the litter, yes. you really want something to contain it. Mm. Um, it's also a good idea to get yourself a little rubber mat, which we sell in Pets at Home. It's a, It just stops it tracking litter all around your house, which is helpful. It's a good idea to have collected lots of newspaper to line the litter tray, but we also sell litter liners, which just make it really easy to pick mm. up whatever you've got to pick up. You'll need a scoop um, for your litter and you'll need to make a decision about what litter's right for you. So oh, 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 oh. let me let me jump in because I like I like this saying to clump or not to clump. Indeed, to clump or not to clump. So um I am a, a personally a big fan of clumping, but it, it's, it's a really personal thing. And you know what? At the end of the day, 
you will find that your cat will choose its own litter because it will like certain textures and it and it won't it will you know not like others so you can get everything from wood chips to silica which looks really clean in your house but perhaps isn't what you would like you can get colored clay and the clay is the best really for clumping or not clumping so if you can get a clay with a high proportion of bentonite the clumping ability of it is much much stronger and um, can you explain clumping? We're just assuming that everyone knows what we're talking about. Yeah. We know what clumping is, but just for the, for the sake of the listener, what, what is clumping? So uh, clumping, basically the, the, uh, the litter itself will respond to the water or the, the liquid. The wee you wee. can test it. You can test it yourself with just water. Yeah. And some will just um, perforate right through the clay, but some clay just holds all of that water together and it forms just a lump that you can very easily lift out of the rest of the litter. So you actually use the use less litter, if you will. It's a really efficient way of doing it. And right. it's super easy to clean the litter tray. Mm. Okay, brilliant. Okay, so that's clumping. So we've talked about litter and the litter liners. Um, cat furniture. Ooh. So really, you need to be able to train your kitten from the early days that you'd rather they use cat furniture than the side of your sofa or up, running up your curtains. Oh, yeah. Especially if you've got wicker or rattan, which is a very at the moment. Indeed. <laughs> and really, uh, the, the way to best train a kitten and a cat to use furniture, cat furniture and scratching posts, is to make sure that they are strong and stable enough because if you give your kitten a very lightweight maybe cheap not great quality um scratch post and it falls over or topples on them Mm. that's a recipe for well you'll probably direct them to your staircase and they'll probably have a good go at the carpet there (laughs) because they want something that they know is not going to move yeah the bigger the better and also you know when Cats love to play, don't they? Kittens want to explore. So if you get a big piece of cat furniture with lots of uh, different pockets for it to hide in, perches for it to look down from, um, little elasticated balls hanging on them, different textures, that gives them the best start to explore. And you'll find that they will scratch and kind of territory mark around that. And, you know, cats have to be able to scratch to for their own health and they also need to scratch and stretch so ideally your cat scratcher should enable them to get all four paws on at the same time which gives them the best back scratch and again if they're going to put all four paws on it you do need it to be stable otherwise you will just turn them right off you can't have a wobbly play center for your kitten a wobbly play centre is definitely a no. I guess there is the other um, beautiful uh, scent of catnip you know, you really do need to encourage your cat um, your kitten to use the furniture. You can spray catnip or you can um, use dried catnip. And mm, the vast majority of cats will respond to catnip. Yeah. Some don't. Some love valerian instead, um, which you can buy as an alternative. But we use catnip and it induces exhilaration and actually relaxing as well. You've obviously you've got to have a carrier to bring them home and maybe take them to the vets for their jabs. The um, the safer, the better. Um, there's a brilliant one we sell online, which is 
top loading. It's actually a veterinary crate. They're absolutely sensational and they make it the easiest because if you've got a cat carrier where you're kind of encouraging them into like a tunnel, Mm. okay to get them in it's not quite so easy to get them out yeah is top loading and yeah is a good idea (laughs) and then of course you've got to have a bed and you know when your your kitten is so tiny and and so new a bed with a heatable wheat sack in it is just a fantastic thing because it keeps them super cozy but you also find that they will love anything that you've got that's wool or if you've got a sheepskin rug or if you've got anything that's felted, if you've got felted cushions, it keeps them as cool as it keeps them warm. And they love the scent of the lanolin from the natural wool. Kitten beds, cat beds always look so cosy, especially with a heated wheat sack. Like, God, why can't you just make human sized ones, please, pets at home? <laughs> because I want one. <laughs> but also, if you, if, you, um, if you use an igloo cat bed, so it's got a, a roof over it, yes. it enables the cat to properly cocoon inside and snuggle in. It's important also that whilst with individual cats and you you know you're you've highly likely to have a couple of kittens take a brother and sister for example yes so that they're they're growing up together they should really have their own food balls and their own litter trays yeah but sometimes it's nice to have a slightly bigger cat bed so that they can cozy on up together Aww. so let's just talk about toys because when a cat's a kitten it hasn't developed its play preference yet. So really you want to play with the most, the widest assortment of toys. So you can find out whether batting a ball with a bell in is absolutely what they love doing. Um, Does catnip work for them? Are they crazy with a teaser? You know, do they want to jump and bounce after something that you're holding in the air? All I'd say with a teaser is, you do need to let the cat win eventually. You know, a, t- a teaser mimics mimics catching prey. Yeah. And it is a bit cruel if you Not don't to- let the cat win. Yeah, they've got to and- catch at some point. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think that's really important. You know, people people might not know that so you know you can get bigger toys is your cat a batter do they like kicking things and there's loads of interactive games that you can get that really are fantastic for kittens and for cats too Um, so I think it's it's really great to explore tunneling you know sacks that they can hide in different crinkly textures different noises different different experiences laser chasers so you know they're so fast they're so fast Mm -hmm. they see so quickly Mm -hmm. so I think those are brilliant as well and it's just really great to get a selection that you can you can um, play with you're bonding with your cat you're learning about them and they're having fun with you too Okay, so we've got them in their their room on their own with all their gear. Um, They're all set up. You're going to try and leave them alone as much as you can, even though, you know, they're adorable and you want to go and play with them. Please don't. Keep the kids away from them. Keep the other pets away from them. Let them do their own thing. Uh, Like I said before, I'm assuming that they're they're probably going to, you know, if they're a little bit stressed or a little bit anxious, they're probably going to go to sleep anyway, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, kittens generally sleep a lot. So that's, that's completely normal. I mean... Adult cats sleep a lot and kittens sleep even more than that. So they will have bursts of energy and activity between naps. But um, again, especially in the settling in period, but even after, to be fair, it's it's important not to wake your kitten up for cuddles of playtime. You know, make sure it's all on their terms and and, yeah. and not 
and not yours and they're awake and happy to do so especially this first few days i can't stress that enough um, and then you can increase the handling time after you know whether it's 24 hours or, or a few days um, we've already talked about obviously if they're hiding don't try and coax them out of their hiding place again they're giving off a clear signal that they're just a bit scared it's all a bit too much so just let them let them um, settle you can always just stay in the room and read a book or, you know, spend some time watching TV or whatever it is you can do in that room without paying attention to them. And again, just so they get used to your company and they can come out on their own terms to say hello. That's a tip for life in general. I say grow into cats. Cats do everything on their own terms anyway. They will rule your life. So which isn't a bad thing. We love them. We love them ruling our lives. Right. So, James, sleeping habits and Penny, was she, was she all right? Does she keep you up at night? Was she a naughty Nunu or was she a very well-behaved kitty cat? Uh, I would say Penny's pretty good. She she sleeps a lot, but she has bursts of energy. She'll be up and, you know, running around for a couple of hours and then she will conk out. Um, but we did some research and, and as you guys are saying, you know, it's not a good idea to wake up your kitten when they're asleep. We've had to do that uh for a couple of reasons. One, to go to the vet, and she wasn't a big fan. <laughs> so we, we do let her wake up on her own. Sorry, <laughs> um, so no, she's she's really good, and she doesn't keep us up at night. One thing she does do, though, is I'd say about 4 a.m. every morning, she will wake up, and she will jump on the bed, and she'll meow, for just, just one meow. She'll, we'll give her a stroke, and then she'll go back to sleep. So we're almost wondering if it's like a comforting thing just to make sure reassurance that we're there. I'm not sure, but she does that. And that's become a a thing literally every day. It's very habitual now, but we don't mind. And, you know, it's, you know, a quick stroke and then back to sleep. It's interesting what you're saying, James, because you you hear this quite a lot where people, you know, what you're doing is just giving her a stroke and then she goes back to sleep, which is great. But we often find people interpret it as an ask for food. So they will start feeding them. And then, of course, you get into that habit yeah. and to then get your cat out of that pattern. Because they're, if you think about it in the wild, they would hunt sort of small rodents. And small rodents are mainly active at dusk and dawn. So it's a natural time for them to be out hunting and to, to be awake. So if you then give in, so to speak, and give them food, it can become quite a problem and, and it can be difficult to train them back out of that habit. You, you can do, but it, it takes a bit of bit of training. OK, so we've um, left um, our little putty cat in, in their room on their own to get them used to the house. Um, we've done all the due diligence. We've done all the things that you've just talked about, Carleen. They're now entering the main domain of the house. They're coming out of their room. They might want to explore everywhere else where other humans and potentially other pets live. So let's do pets first. We've already discussed that you've got to keep kids away from them and make sure that they're not overexciting them and stressing them out. But how about introducing them to uh, your other pets? So, yeah, that's a really important one. And I would say that's, again, something that needs to be quite carefully controlled. And so once your kitten's used to, you know, the room in their house or wherever you're keeping them, I wouldn't just give them free for all to the house and other pets. So you need to do it in stages and watch them quite closely. And the process is slightly different whether you've got other cats or, or dogs. Um, so if we start with dogs, I think traditionally we think that dogs and cats are enemies. 
but actually um, that's not true. Um, with careful introductions, personally, I think they often get on better, a dog and a cat get on better than maybe two cats would, um, which might, you know, surprise a lot of people. Um, obviously, it does depend on your dog's breed and type and age and, and you know, how much control you've got over them. But they, they can, dogs and cats can form really close relationships. Um so the the sort of process, um, you want it to be in stages. And so initially it starts with, with sense swapping, then they investigate each other's areas, but not while the other one's present. Then you might get into visual contact, time sharing, which is monitored, and then eventually the full run of the house. So again, with a dog, well, we've said already, even if you don't have any other pets, introduce your kitten in a different or a, a confined part of the house first. So they've got their own safe space to make sure your dog still has access to its own safe spaces. Um, make sure they don't have to share any resources. So again, that's your beds, food bowls, toys, etc. If they don't choose to do so, so pets should always have a choice. Um, and even before um, you've got your kitten, again, you might have a blanket from the breeder you can take back. Or when you go visit your kitten, um, rub it all over the cats or, or over their chin and, and take it home to your dog. Um, but even just having the food bowls, litter tray, those sort of things present in the house before will, will help. And once um, your kitten has completely settled in, you can start introducing them. So um, I mentioned sense swapping. So rather than face-to-face -face introductions, you know, dogs and cats rely quite heavily on scent and, and sort of chemical communication. So they can get a lot of information from each other just by, by their sense and not necessarily sniffing each other, but objects they've come into contact with. So you've probably done some sense swapping naturally already as you move between, you know, the spaces. Um, but you can, you know, I guess, accelerate that by by actually using bedding or blankets and yeah, rubbing it all over the pet. So with cats in particular, you know, they, they tend to rub their chins um, and their foreheads onto your legs that's because they're they're putting their scent on you so those are the kind of areas to rub um, and then give them give them to your dog so do that for a while and swap their scents without letting them meet face to face um cats tend to feel um take longer to to feel relaxed with different scents than dogs um generally so when you say a while are we talking a few days a week longer Depends, subjective. It depends. It depends on the dog and it depends on the cat. So generally we find cats can take a bit longer to get relaxed. But then again, kittens are open to new experiences, generally a bit better than adult cats. So, um, you know, just like when you first introduce your kitten to that room, they'll tell you with their body language how relaxed they are. If they sniff the blanket and run away and hide in a corner, obviously you've got a little bit more work to do. Yeah. Um, but if if they seem quite comfortable, then, yeah, they're obviously, obviously adjusting. And then obviously the next step from that is um, visual contact. So not so they can physically get to each other, but they can see each other, whether that's through a stair gate or, you know, um, your kitten's in the room and the dog's in the doorway being restrained or, or yeah. something like that. Sure. And it's quite crucial to do this at a time where they're both quite calm um, and not, you know, don't use it at a time where your dog's about to go for a walk and super excitable or your kitten's having their mad hour. Do it at a time where they're both 
um, sort of quite content and, and calm. And obviously, they should be able to escape at all times or get away if, if they want to. And you need to be present um, all the time as well. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is, is there, um, I mean, obviously, you know, most animals are adorable and get on very well with each other. But if, you know, even if they're not being... Uh, aggressive towards each other you might have a young dog or uh, an older dog or an, another cat who's just very excitable very playful and wants to play with the kitten and if they're just like leave me alone I've had enough do you need somewhere for your kitten to escape <laughs> no they definitely need to be escape routes for both pets I mean I would say with a kitten generally kittens are quite up for anything unless yeah. you've got a particularly nervous one or one that hasn't adjusted yet to your house but it's generally if you have another older cat, they're they're often not very impressed. Um, you know, it's the same when you get a puppy and you've got an older dog. The older mm. dog's often not that impressed about that bundle of energy coming along. So yeah. um, you you tend to get get the same um, with, with introducing a, a kitten. And then once obviously they're used to seeing each other um, and with, with you being there and you might need to have two people there, one to sort of supervise the kitten and one the, the dog, um, obviously give them plenty of rewards and, and, and make sure um, it's all sort of positively reinforced. If there's any negative behaviour, then just stop the session straight away. You know, if you notice any um I don't know if the kitten sort of raises its back and goes and hides or the dog growls or anything yeah. like that or wants to try and chase the kitten. Yeah. Just stop the session and try again another time until until they 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 they're both used to being in each other's company yeah. um, and 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 not to, um, you know, neither of them is showing signs of stress or, or yeah. fear. So and it's absolutely crucial that you have to be present supervision is absolutely vital at this stage never leave your little kitten in a room with another pet regardless of how well behaved you think they are yeah. um, sorry yeah. I'm talking all somber and, and serious then but it is very no, no, it is yeah. yeah it is really important obviously the next step then would be to let the pets physically interact but again keep the sessions short and frequent and make sure you're present at all times and only once you get through that stage um, you can um, you can gradually allow more time, obviously, for them to just be together. Um, and, and it is really important, like you said, not just for the pet safety, but also for a kitten. It's really important that those um, those first impressions aren't negative because it can be really difficult to sort of go back on that. So if you try and rush it and they have a negative experience, it could be that they just never get used to dogs for the rest of their life and it just puts them off forever. So um, it's it's really important you, you do it gradually. So it's really, it's just like with humans, if you've got any kind of like childhood trauma, it's going to stay yeah. with you subconsciously or, or consciously for the rest of your life pretty much. Yeah. Absolutely. So so try and minimise negative experiences, obviously, as, as much as possible. If we then think about, so we've mainly been talking about introducing a kitten to a dog. If we think about introducing a kitten to an adult cat, mm -hmm. that will always be more difficult than with a dog. I mean, unless you have a dog that likes to chase cats and have <laughs> high prey drive. Obviously, that's a different thing. But generally, dogs um, um, get used to cats pretty quickly. 
adult cats, it's 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 more difficult. So cats are very much solitary animals. They really value their territory. They don't like to share. They also don't like confrontation. So it can actually be quite difficult for owners. You know, lots of owners think, oh, yeah, my cats get on. They're fine. But when you dig a bit deeper, they're like, oh, yeah, actually, one often sits in the doorway and stares at the other. And that's quite menacing behavior. They're not hissing. They're not fighting. That they're almost having staring contests, um, which is sort of passive aggressive, which is what cats are very good at. Because if they do fight, it, it, they can get seriously injured. So it's not in their benefit to get to the fighting stage. So they tend to, it's all about body language. So I think if you are getting a kitten and you've already got an adult cat, you need to assume that they might never get on. And if you yeah. go on that premise, you can't get disappointed. It might be that they will get on, but don't um, don't assume that they will. And it might just be that they tolerate each other rather than actually like each other. So you need to be prepared for that. Also, in terms of, again, going back to the resources, have you got space for multiple litter trays, multiple scratch bowls, multiple food and water bowls? Because that might be what you'll you'll need to resort to. And they're not going to be in the same area as each other anyway, just in case they don't get on and they shouldn't be anyway, I suppose. It's, it's not uncommon to, to, yeah, to hear of people who've got multiple cats and one lives upstairs and one lives downstairs and, yeah. and they just choose not to meet. Or even um, they're never outside at the same time. So they time share the house and garden. So one's out yeah. at night <laughs> and one's inside at night. And then they swap around because they don't like each other. And how often do you hear of cats that go and get fed in another house Often that's that's not because, well, they're also a bit greedy and obviously try and get food wherever they can. But actually, quite often it's also because that house might be quieter or not have another cat. Yeah. Or it's just an environment that they like more, which is really hard, obviously, as an owner to to hear. But yeah. a, a cat will will let you know when when they're happy and when, yeah. and when they're not. So with, with cats, the process is very similar to dogs. You know, you, you start with the scent swapping um and then the sort of visual contact short interactions etc what i would encourage maybe more for cats than for dogs unless maybe you've got a really anxious dog or really anxious kitten is um use pheromones so um you know the likes of feliway products there's loads of different ones ones that just generally help your um cats feel feel more content and happy even if you have a kitten and no other pets to introduce them to it can help with settling them into the house but there are also some products now that are geared specifically towards multi-cat households and it just the endorphins just help reduce the tensions a bit and yeah. and, and kind of help settle settle them all down so um i'd also like to bring in dr sam Gaines from the rspca now sam we were talk, we've talked about introducing um, a kitten to existing pets. Is this something you see a lot at, at the RSPCA, people actually giving up kittens or cats because they don't get on with their existing cat or, or other pets? I mean, they just basically haven't done their research or, you know, circumstances just simply didn't work out. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely can be a problem. So, you know, it may well be that you've got a cat already in your home and you bring in a new dog, for example, and your cat finds that deeply stressful and you you may well see a whole host of different behaviour problems in your cat that you hadn't seen previously. And you can also get this as well in terms of like if you introduce another new kitten or cat to the household where you've already got a resident cat. Um, and this is largely because cats are very much solitary creatures. Yeah. They're not 
like dogs that you know are social animals so mm. if you take two kittens from a litter then chances are they're going to grow up together super super happy get on really really well and you'll see lots of behaviors that show that they do really like one another and really enjoy and value each other's company but we don't always see that in cats that have already been well established in a home and then you introduce a new one so people do need to be super super careful and and think about that um and you know if they do really want to introduce a second cat or kitten to make sure that they do it incredibly carefully and in a really slow and controlled way and also just to be prepared that you know it might not actually work out well um so it's again thinking about people's motivations around why they might be bringing in a second cat or another kitten um and do you potentially really want to upset the dynamic that you've already got. So we've discussed the introductions. So now let's talk a little bit about kitten proofing your house and garden in a bit more detail. One thing I definitely do know from past experience is to keep your windows securely fastened and do not let your kitten outside until they're fully vaccinated and neutered. That's just a given, isn't it, Colleen? Yeah, absolutely. I just want to go through a few topics and you can tell me about them Carleen then James um if you've uh, if you've got any anecdotes any pennyisms then uh, let me know and um I'll come over to you to find out what your experiences have been with these areas so all right let's start off with something um ever so delightful toilets and bins <laughs> yeah um definitely a good idea to keep the toilet seat down not unusual for kittens to fall in which you know it's it's unlikely they'll drown but obviously not not a pleasant experience for them and also not that pleasant having a sort of wet cat running around the house um with with bins as well it's more not necessarily you know with puppies we worry about them eating the contents of the yeah. bin Cats are generally quite good and they don't tend to eat things they shouldn't, but it's more getting entangled in them and suffocating or having the string um, getting wrapped around their necks or paws or whatever and, and getting injured that way. So, yeah, just keep them well away. Ah, now, I know that we were just talking um, off mic earlier. So you've both had experiences of entanglement. Um, Carleen, what, was, what did Wolfie do? Wolfie got his head stuck in a, quite a tight handle of a plastic bag and it completely freaked him out and he was just racing around the room like he was possessed. It was actually quite hard to grab him and get it off him because he was so freaked out. Yeah, it was it was really sad, actually. Well, at one point it was it was funny, but quickly we realised how freaked out he was and, yeah, we, we quickly got it off him. But it was almost like a cape sort of flapping in the wind on his back as he had his head stuck. But, yeah, I would I would hate to think what would have happened if we hadn't been there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, keep keep bags out, out of the way, bin bags or out of plastic bags. Absolutely. Okay, so that's loose and bins. Hiding places, we, we, we just touched upon the hiding places. Um, so, yeah, you know, kittens love to hide, don't they? Absolutely. And I mean, I, I, I can't count the number of times that my cat has been locked in a, in a wardrobe because the wardrobe will be open. He jumps in, you don't realise, you close it. And then before you know it, hours have passed and yeah, there might have been a toilet accident or or, or worse. So always check if you've opened washing machines, tumble dryers, um, things like that, that your, your kitten isn't hiding in it. James, you were talking earlier about Penny hiding behind the sofa. Uh, again, we were talking off mic about the fact that is it something she still does? But it's something she would like to do, but I don't think she can fit down there anymore. <laughs> oh, right. So she's literally trying to squidge herself into her old hidey hole. 
It's interesting, yeah. There, there's hiding places she used to go in, which she can no longer fit. Uh, and you can see her in terms of trying to understand. So she'll go up to it and almost stick her head through and then realise it's not going to be an option and then kind of back out. So I think because of that, I found she's found new hiding places. But one of the funniest things for us is uh, these cardboard boxes we leave around the house. Obviously, they're all various different sizes, um, but she has a tendency to go for the smallest box. So where it's almost like it's just really odd to see because she's, you know, she's growing now. She's a relatively big cat. And she's sitting in a probably an eight by eight inch box and <laughs> just like peering out. And it's almost like a game. How small can the box be that she can get in? Yeah, I, all, all I can think is that it must make them feel kind of secure in a way to be confined. I mean, all, my cat doesn't, but a lot of cats love like igloo beds and stuff because, again, they can just sort of hide in it and then peer out. So, yeah, it must give them that that feeling. And also, um, I think when we were talking about Penny trying to push herself into a little old hidey hole when she when she was teeny tiny. Colleen, are they actually self-aware? Do cats know that they're they've actually grown? I mean, surely they must do that, you know, most Yeah, but then if it's somewhere they've gone when they were little, they'll try again and it'll just it won't work. And then eventually they'll learn that that is a no-go area. But I think, you know, that kind of leads us to, you know, another possible danger is is heights. So, you know, kittens will be really adventurous and climb up full length curtains, which is another sort of hazard to watch out for, or go up a tree. And it's always easier to go up than go back down. So um, and and unlike the sort of saying cats don't always land on their feet when they fall, um, that that doesn't happen. They can fracture bones quite easily. So, um, yeah, just be aware if you've got full length curtains, once they start going outside, trees as well um and um and obviously if you open windows upstairs don't think because the windows open upstairs that your cat won't try and jump out so wolfie before i let him out jumped out of my bedroom first floor window um out in the garden um one day yeah woke up he wasn't there he was outside crying by the door (laughs) wanting his breakfast but yeah so so they they you know that they don't have that sense of danger always especially kittens so um just be really careful with heights i second that completely um penny will climb up things she'll climb up in the garden she'll climb up on the fence or on our shed and then she'll meow for quite a while trying to figure out how she's going to get back down uh and sometimes she does it sometimes i've had to actually lift her off the shed so i've actually made a little ramp now out the back and (laughs) she's perfectly she's perfectly i've shown her how to use it and she uses it every time now so she won't use it to go up though she'll climb up herself and she'll just use that to go back down see what i mean about cats ruling your life you're you're actually building them ramps you are organizing (laughs) your life around your little kitten and that's exactly how it should be so next category, stringy things, for want of a better <laughs> phrase, anything that's string, so including cables, which obviously we're going to cover off electricity in this section as well, but anything that's string-like, really, whether it be ribbons, toys, bags, plastic cables, why are kittens so obsessed with stringy things? Well, it's kitten-dependent or cat-dependent. Some love it more than others, but yeah. they love to, you know, if, you, if you've got a piece of ribbon and you wriggle it along the floor, if you think about the fishing rod-type toys, they just really like it as a way of chasing and playing. Yeah. It obviously drives that that sort of natural behaviour. So obviously electrical cables, um, that's a given. If they're plugged in and they chew them, not ideal, and they can get entangled as well. 
while we don't see a lot of foreign bodies in cats, so by foreign body, I mean when a pet eats something they shouldn't oh, and, yeah. and might need surgery to have it removed, puppies and dogs are really bad for it, they'll eat anything. Cats are actually quite good just when it comes to stringy things. So your ribbon, sewing thread, those sort of things. For some reason, they're more easily ingested when they're playing. And the problem is, is when they get wrapped around the base of the tongue, but the rest of the string or ribbon gets eaten. So it goes into the stomach and into the intestines. And then you get quite, that's quite a serious type of foreign body. We call it a linear foreign body. It can do a lot of damage alongside the whole gastrointestinal tract. And oh, they can beautiful. be... Yeah, really, really um, complicated and dangerous surgeries to to um, to get them out of that that situation. So once I've seen, definitely seen a few sewing thread case cases. So don't let your cats play with like a sewing um, thread, but also um, you know that kind of elasticy string that goes around a, a joint of meat. Yeah, because obviously then you've got the flavor as well. If you've got a cat that that does like human food and maybe steals it out of the bin or grabs it from the worktop, that's really dangerous as well. Yeah, gosh. And then I guess I mean it's such a um, it's such an obvious traditional image of a cat playing with a ball of wool, but that's definitely a no no. I mean, definitely gosh, no no no. Stick yeah. to more appropriate toys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, James um cables you were telling me earlier about um you you got a specific cable cover or something to 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 help with penny uh not a specific cable cover she she's i think she's gone past that phase and i think it might have been the teething to be honest why she wanted to buy cables right uh, it has stopped now but at the time we advised to get like a little chewy toy and it was almost like a, a plastic uh worm every time she went to chew the cable we'd give her the worm and Nine out of ten times it worked. And what we also did is we we bought pet behavior spray and we would just spray it on the specific cable that she seemed to go to. Um, and that 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 seemed to help. But obviously it does wear off. So we were having to top it up every other day and put a bit of spray on it. But um, we did find it was mainly our, <laughs> our HD leads actually on our laptop she was biting. So obviously there's power there and we wanted to make sure that nothing happened to Penny. So we were quite keen to rush off and make sure we had the right tools to do it. And I think having the toy and the pet spray did the job for us. Excellent stuff. Uh, what a responsible pet owner. We definitely chose the right person to come on this one. You've proper done your research. Well done. Okay, so I'm going to move on to small objects. And I'm also going to include toys in this as well, because we are talking about, you know, obviously put away any tiny small items like, you know, buttons, little plastic children's toys, little figurines, anything that your cat, kitten, sorry, could swallow. Carleen, over to you. Yeah, I mean... Um, while, while it is possible that kittens could eat those things and, and swallow them, it is much rarer, as we've said yeah. already, than yeah. maybe in puppies. But one thing to be aware of, you mentioned toys. And while, you know, it might surprise people, well, if it's a cat toy or a kitten toy, surely it's safe. 
it's a bit like children's toys. You know, you still need to watch them. There's still yeah. potential there. And especially if a toy is damaged in any way, you know, if 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 it's a cuddly type toy and the stuffing's coming out or, you know, whatever, it's really worn, just make sure you replace them in time. And then there are some toys that I would say should never be left out um, and attended with a kitten. And that's, you know, we've already talked about stringy stuff, but that's your fishing rod type toys um, or just anything that they might get entangled in. James, you had a little bit of a scary experience, didn't you? I did. And it was one of those, as you as you mentioned, one of those fishing kind of rods, which had the elastic on it. I was actually holding it at the time, but Penny managed to kind of almost get it wrapped around her neck. Um, she didn't make a noise and you know she seemed fine but she was kind of laying on the ground obviously I managed to get it off as soon as possible but it just shows you if you were to leave them on their own with it they could quite easily get themselves in a bit of trouble there yeah they just it's not if they're in trouble they don't necessarily sort of cry for help or wriggle around do they Colin sometimes they just stay stop still yeah but if if left for a long time I think they would try and get out of it and they might run off to another room or it, it gets trapped somewhere and then they can really hurt themselves um obviously they're great toys so I would never recommend not getting them on on that basis just don't don't leave them with it unattended I mean yeah. my cat is obsessed with his um fishing rod type toys we have to hide them away and he will try and open the drawer because he knows yeah. where they are to try and get it out but I would never leave it unattended um it's great for play sessions but just um not not outside now Okay, it's a, it's not a very pleasant topic to cover, but we've got to cover it off because it's most important um, to keep your kittens safe in your house. We all know that cats like wandering around on worktops and, and, and they love um, discovering different heights and exploring. So regardless of, of however you don't want your cat to get in your kitchen on the worktop, guaranteed that they will at some point and they're going to try and drink out the sink and et cetera, et cetera. So You've got to have suitable covers for any hot plates. Um, I'm assuming that is the most important one, Carleen, and sharp objects. Absolutely. I think, yeah, um, watch out for burns. So um, obviously the hob, also thinking about the iron. Or if you like burning candles, you know, again, your dog might not get up on the mantelpiece or top of a wardrobe where you've got some some candles burning, but your cat will. And even though you might be trying to avoid it, because, again, Cats are just a little bit more intelligent than dogs. I am biased, but they don't <laughs> tend to walk through fire, you know, especially if you've got a fluffy cat, they might just get a little bit too close and then and 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 that could be um yeah, that could be quite dangerous, obviously. The other thing I was thinking of, because we talked about cats liking to go into small places to hide. Again, this is not common, but it does happen. And obviously, it maybe applies to all the cats a bit more once they go outside. But um, you get some cats that like to go underneath a car and then hide um, in the car bonnet um, because it's nice and warm, especially in winter. Mm -hmm. And then obviously, when you drive off again, it gets hot very quickly and they could get burned. So, um, again, it's it's something to to be aware of. But obviously, while you've got your kitten indoors and they're not going out yet, it's not something to, to really worry about. Yeah. OK. So, you know, not that we're implying that you should have to lift up the bonnet of your car every time you want to drive off somewhere. But if you've got a kitten or a cat or you know that your neighbours have kittens and cats, it might just well be worth doing it, especially in the colder months. Um, and always check the garage. It's not just your house as well. If you've got a door that goes into your house, into your garage, even if your garage door is closed and they can't get outside, 
it's always worth checking if you've just gone in to get something from the garage or you've got your washing machine out there or something, just make sure you haven't been followed out by your little kitten. Um, because there's some pretty nasty toxic substances, aren't there, Colleen, that most people do keep in a garage that you wouldn't think were attractive to cats. I'm assuming you know the substance I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, again, when we talk about dangerous substances and, you know, toxic substances, unlike dogs that might have a little sniff or a lick just because they're curious, cats tend to be quite good at not doing that. But mm. what what happens or the way cats get, get poisoned most easily is um, inadvertently because they might walk through a puddle of something yeah. or they knock over a bottle and then get some splashed onto their fur. And of course, then they lick it off because they're cleaning themselves all the time. Antifreeze, which is the one you're yeah. thinking of, um, that one is slightly different because actually it has quite a sweet taste in both cat for both cats and dogs. So that is one that you might find some cats will actually try and drink if there is a puddle outside. So don't use it if you've got outside water features um, or if you just filled up your car, make sure there's no spillage and yeah, really, really lock those away because I I, I haven't seen that many cats survive um, antifreeze poisoning. It's, it's really dangerous. Yeah, I mean, if there's one thing you take away from this, it's going to be the antifreeze and then also something we didn't come on to shortly as well. And that is houseplants. You know, I mean, there, there is one in particular that's incredibly bad for cats. Yeah, houseplants. I mean, I, I don't want to go through a list of all the potential no. toxic houseplants because it might scare people off because yeah. there are quite a few. But again, cats don't tend to just nibble at houseplants. Mm. Kittens might do it a little bit more than, than all the cats. So watch your kitten and just find out what they're like. Um, but generally, um, toxic um, episodes occur and the plant you're thinking of are lilies. So yeah. any type of lilies, whether they're out in your garden or you've got a nice um, bunch of flowers, is obviously the stems with the pollen. If they brush past your nice bouquet of flowers and the pollen um, gets onto their um, fur, they then lick it off. And um, yeah, lily poisoning, again, a bit like antifreeze, really dangerous in, in cats causes their kidneys to shut down pretty quickly and if you don't seek treatment straight away again in, in many cases can be can be fatal and it's difficult because often owners don't know um you know their cat acts strangely they take it to the vet but it might not make that link with lilies so i think as a cat owner just don't have lilies there are lots of other flowers you can have just to be on the safe side don't don't get lilies yeah and i think if you um want more information on that we've covered off poisonous houseplants and, and toxicity in the gardens as well in my VIP. And there are some features on Pet Talk on the petsathome.com website. James, you got anything to add in here? Yeah, I just, uh, I did the same thing actually. And to be honest with you, it, we, we'd already had uh, got Penny and it was probably day three and we realised we had a lot of plants around the house. So we thought we'd do a quick search, have a look at, and surprisingly, three or four of our plants we we actually had to get rid of. Um, and one of those, almost on probably the second or third day, Penny was trying to chew. Wow. So we knew that was a no-no. So we got rid of those straight away. Uh, and then the big one, as mentioned, we're aware of lilies being being a no-no. So we, we've got rid of those as well. OK, so we've covered off most of the hot spots and, and potential dangers and risks to your kitten in your home when you bring them back to be part of your family. 
Colleen, is there anything else you want to add? I think one one more um, that's worth mentioning, um, which is, you know, often owners um, inadvertently, unfortunately, applying a um, flea treatment onto their cat that's actually meant for dogs. Oh. So um, flea, flea and worm treatments for cats and dogs aren't always interchangeable. So it's not because it's okay for a five kilogram dog that it's okay for a five kilogram cat. The substances that can be quite different. And in particular, there's um, one one type of drug that is used in a lot of dog flea treatments that, again, can be can be lethal to cats. So wow. um, always, always, always make sure you've got an appropriate product um, that you apply to to your cat and the right dose. OK, so that's it for episode two. So thanks for listening to this episode of the Pets at Home Kitten podcast. And remember, if you have anything in particular that you'd like us to talk about, or if you want to simply let us know how we're doing with these podcasts, and I hope you're enjoying them, please do get in touch at kittenpodcast at petsathome.co.uk. That's the email address to write to us, kittenpodcast at petsathome.co.uk. And you can also find us via at petsathomeuk on Instagram. And on Twitter, our tag is at Pets at Home. And more information on how you can join the Kitten Club, which supports you and your kitten with expert advice and exclusive offers throughout their first year. All the information can be found on our website, petsathome.com. Okay, so that's everything tied up and join us next time for all things kitten. Bye. Bye.